Welcome to Songs and Stories, the not-for-musicians-only music podcast. Hey there, everybody. Welcome once again to Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories episode number 165, which is coming just about a week after Songs and Stories 164. This is a bonus episode for the month for a very special event coming up this weekend. Our good friend Martha Groves Perry has just finished her first EP, and she's doing a release party this Saturday, November 12th, at the Art Boutique on 44 Race Street in San Jose, and I'll put a link up to that on the website, and you can go to her website as well and, and find out more about that. But uh, it's a really fun story, and I wanted to get this out in time before her big show. I first met Martha years ago when she was playing singing harmony for our friends Bev Barnett and Greg Newland, and we kept in touch. And I noticed as the years went by, she was she was classically trained as a cello and a pianist, but as it, the years went by, we kept in touch and kept crossing paths, and pretty soon she was playing guitar and writing songs, and then I heard she was recording, and then I heard she had a release party coming up, and I said, oh, we, we should do a podcast. So we did, and that's what you're going to hear in this, and I want to get right to it. Uh, a couple updates on me. You just talked to me a week ago, but uh, did another session in the studio last week. It went very well. Added some harmonies to a couple of corporate speak, um, poking fun at songs. And um, because it is November, it's almost time for Black Friday, which means I'm circulating my song Black Friday's Eve around. They got played last weekend on the Is This Thing On podcast, which is broadcast from the UK. So if you go to isthisthingon.com, you can hear it there or go to my website and watch the video or maybe even buy the CD, Lump of Coal. Um, but that's about all it's new for me in the last week. Let's get right to Martha. Uh, we had a really good, long conversation, and Martha, if you're listening, I didn't cut anything because I thought it was really interesting. Um, her path from being a classically trained musician into becoming, basically fronting her own songs and the, 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 the evolution of that was really interesting. We also got into a lot of tangents about just how writing songs and taking them out and playing them is just kind of an odd thing. It's it's very satisfying, but it's just kind of an odd endeavor, and so we, we dove into that as well. I think I'll kick this off with the from the EP itself, which is called Something Good. We'll hear a song she co-wrote with Greg Newland called Leave It Alone, and then a nice, long, fun chat with Martha Groves Perry, whom you can find, by the way, at MarthaGrovesPerry.com. Also, while you're listening, you can go to my site, MichaelGaither.com. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L- G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. Look for Songs and Stories 165, and I'll put up all kinds of links about Martha, um, where you can buy her EP and all that kind of stuff. So let's talk to Martha, let's hear from Martha, and then at the end of this, stick around, because she'll play the title track from Something Good. Here we go. The scab's the thing When the wound below is festering I can't leave it alone The scab that has grown I need a backbone To let it all go Just one in a
shop finally yes finally i think we did realize the last time we spoke was at a blind boys of alabama concert more than a couple of years ago i think they were opening for somebody weren't they i think so yeah it's been so long, it's been a long time. remember you've gone off and become this musical superstar in the meantime and i don't know if that's true or not but, you're, but you've been busy you've been i have busy. been very busy yeah i want to cut back to the the conversation we had before the recorder was running we talked about you know i'm halfway through a new cd and you've just finished this this ep um, and you've recorded before, but this is your first project under your own stuff, your right. own songs. And you talk, we were talking about the fact that recording is a matter of, it's a balance of aesthetics and resources and money. It's like, I'd like to put this in or I'd like to redo it. Um, it'll cost me this much time and money. That's, those are tough decisions. They're really tough decisions. And um, I had the benefit of working with someone who made all the right decisions on mm -hmm. the front end. Right. Um, Planning is good. But, yeah. then, but then again, you, you get in the studio and it's like, eh, it doesn't work. Or it does work. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, our, my process actually was very different because, I mean, it was kind of just me and Kenny. Okay. Right. Um, I would send him a demo mm -hmm. to a click, which he loved. Right. <laughs> and he would just put that straight into Pro Tools and then he would just layer it. He would just put in what he thought the song needed. Oh, nice. Nice. And then he would send me back a sketch mm -hmm. with the vocals in and my guitar in. <clears throat> it got to the point, actually, where I was sending him... A vocal track and the guitar track separately to a click. Like Good. the last couple of songs, which he loved, because then he could put the levels anywhere he wanted to. Right, right. And then he would send back a sketch, and four times in a row, I was loving it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think I tweaked a couple of little things. Yeah. But four times in a row, I just said, send me a practice you know, version with that, you know, the karaoke version. Right. We right, said right. we'd set a recording date. I'd go up, I'd do the vocals and the acoustic, and nice. then he'd mix it, and then we were done. Wow. I mean, I started with him in January, and we were, my last recording session was in June. That's pretty good. And yeah. the, the, the lag, whatever lag there was, was because of my work schedule. Mm -hmm. It wasn't because of him. Yeah. Yeah. It was me getting him songs or him having a chance to get him back because he's really busy as well. Yeah. But so, a lot of the decisions that he that were made for the EP he made. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of one of those people where I don't know, like for instance, I don't know anything about the recording process. I mean, I I'd been in the studio, right? I'd recorded on cello. I'd been you know mic'd up nine ways to Sunday with mm -hmm. you know on my cello, and but I never was involved in the process of deciding which tracks go in, which go out, right. what levels, what effects, none of that. I really knew nothing about it. And so like, for instance, when I got married, I told my mom, you know, I don't really know what I want for flowers, but that's the dress and these are the <laughs> colors. I don't know what's, you know, in season in mm -hmm. August when we're going to get married. So just tell her to do what she thinks will be pretty. Right. Right. I mean, she's the florist. She knows flowers. So let's let her do her flower thing. Right. right? right. And I kind of approached it the same way with Kenny. I mean, right. I we we did the the very first song I sent him was Leave It Alone, mm -hmm. which is the <laughs> which is actually kind of a weird choice for a first song to send a producer because mm -hmm. I kind of wondered what he thought of yeah. me after that. But um, is she a control freak? Is this passive aggressive? Is this, <laughs> like, what is the, is she completely obsessive? Is this woman right. going to be a nightmare to work with? I mean, it's kind of funny when I think back on it, but that was the song that popped up and I mm. sent it to him and we, I sent it to him and we both agreed that we were just going to see how it went. We hadn't made an agreement to do a whole EP. We hadn't really said we were going to even work together. You were just kind of test driving each other a little we bit? We were sort of test driving it, right? Yeah. You know, I sent him the, the demo. He sent me back the sketch. Like I've said in my blog a couple of times, my head just exploded mm -hmm. because I don't know. I mean, this is the first time I've heard my songs fully produced. Right. And I had no, I don't have a producer's ear. I don't know. 
yeah what else the song needs and that's a, I know um and I've done that route too where you just can I give somebody your stuff and they come back with what they do and if it's if it's the right person and the right fit that's that doesn't always work sometimes no. it sounds like that person you're like eh, but this these actually sound really nice thank you yeah no. I mean I heard them like my wife and I are both going, wow. I mean, we, we knew we'd like him because we're friends and we like your stuff. Right. But, but <laughs> it's like, Martha's nice. It should be good stuff, right? <laughs> but I'm like, we're like, no, this is like, like serious. Like if I didn't know you when I heard it, I'd go, wow, these are really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have only, and I've only heard you do harmonies. Yeah, I know. You know, I knew you had this other background, but I didn't, I've only heard you do harmony. Your voice has this, um, I was like, who does she remind me of? There's almost like this, like, I don't know. I, I want to say it nicely pretty fragile patty griffin kind of quality in your voice that i'm like maybe that's it but it's it's nice i really really like it i've never heard you sing lead before yeah well it was a a growing process right you know because when i started singing with bev and greg bev barnett and greg newland yeah they um it was the first time i'd ever sung into a microphone when i sang with them really oh yeah yeah, no, so I was learning, and, and I was learning about vocal coordination, mm-hmm. right? I didn't, I thought there was just one singing voice. You know, I'm I'm a classical instrumentalist, yeah, right? And yeah. I always wanted to sing, but, and I did take classical voice lessons when I was in high school and stuff like that, so you learn about the breathing and the whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't learn to sing in a mix when you're doing classical vocal lessons. I guess not. Right? You're just doing this, you know... You know, like yeah, yeah. you're doing, doing this your like part. operatic stuff, right? right? And um, so learning to sing in a full voice, like in a in a with like a a vocal quality, like a, a voice quality, mm-hmm. um, a speaking quality is right. what I'm trying to say, is not something that I learned. And so yeah, when I sang for Bev and Greg, I it was the first time I'd sung into a microphone when I did their um CD wow. release. Yeah. Wow. And um and it sort of grew from there. You know, it was sort of one of those things where, you know, the backup singer starts to think, huh, I wonder if I could do that. Uh, right? Yeah, right. And then I started... And you're hanging out, hanging out with two songwriters. Hanging out with two songwriters. Um, Who are yeah. very good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Greg Greg helped me immensely. I know. Um, this, you know, I had these songs. I started this sort of fast forwarding a little bit. I, mm-hmm. I started this... Um, this uh, original band it was called maple dream with right. two other women right and um that was the first time i really got down to business writing songs and i really didn't know what i was doing <laughs> right you know classical training doesn't teach you how to write you know yeah a pop song right. or a you know any kind of song so i was you know and i knew nothing really about <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing really but i i knew nothing about chord progressions i knew nothing about any of that i just wrote what i heard or mm-hmm. what i thought sounded good and you know, so that band came and went like bands do. Um, and uh, so then I was left with all of these originals and I had no guitar arrangements for them. You know, I'm a cellist, so it's got strings I should be able to figure out. But, you know, you, need, you do di- need It's a whole different help. animal. It's yeah. a completely different animal. And so I hired And then interrupt and, and just a quick backstory. You're classically yeah. trained as a cellist. A cellist and a pianist. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And when did singing come along? When did harmony come along? Um, Harmony came along listening to Simon and Garfunkel records when okay. I was a kid. Um, I always used to sing, I don't know, it's like I sort of ingested that you're a girl so you should sing backup thing. Okay. You know, I, I grew up listening to all men mostly mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't, I don't know why, but that's just kind of what happened and I would always find the harmony parts. And also, you know, when you play the cello, mm-hmm. You don't get the melody that often, right? Oh, okay. So you, I developed this ear for. So you had some muscle memory listening and playing. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know, because it's like I always like to joke. Um, I heard this actually from a guy who sang. Um, I think he sings baritone in a barbershop quartet. He said that the baritone always gets the, the notes that nobody else wants, <laughs> right? And the cello is kind of like that. Okay. And so you're always playing a different line than the melody that that complements the melody. And right. so I had a. It was very natural for me to hear harmonies. Because of my my, you trained to it. I, you're totally trained to it, and right. in fact, when I hear oh, symphonies that, that I used to play, I hear the cello line. And when yeah. I sing a symphony, like if I'll sing the tune, I'm always singing the cello line, right? Which is not usually the melody. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is. The good symphonies have okay. cellos with melodies, but yeah. So that's where harmony singing came from, and that's about as much as I felt comfortable doing. I just didn't have a lot of confidence yeah. that I could. 
I don't know, carry a, mm-hmm. a, a lead line. And then I joined a cover band. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, and I, it was sort of under duress. I really hadn't planned to do it, but mm-hmm. they didn't have anyone else. And the person who was organizing the cover band just said, you're coming, right? And I was like, uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of where I found my voice in terms of lead. I, did, I also started doing a vocal program, you know, like one of those CD vocal instruction programs to learn how to sing in a mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I changed. That's when I first became aware of the fact that there are lots of voices you can pick. You know, just like when you're doing a recording, you can make decisions about what instruments go are in or out. Right. When you're singing, you have to decide, hopefully on the front end, mm-hmm. which coordination you're going to use. Are you going to be purely in your head voice? Are you going to be solely in your chest voice? Are you going to try to do a mix? Yeah. Is it going to have sort of a dreamy, breathy quality? Is it going to have that hard edge? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I understand now that harmony singing involves, you know this background kind of feel and lead singing is a very different thing wow yeah so was it hard to is it was i mean was it because this wasn't your background was it hard to be in a band and sing lead vocals and i mean was that was that a big step you'd performed but actually be like the front person at least in some of the songs was it what was that like i loved it (laughs) (laughs) I really did it's Um, fun isn't it well it's really fun I mean this is also was this was a crazy (laughs) costume cover band right Mm. it was like you know not only was I singing lead I was wearing these completely outlandish costumes often sometimes Mm. with full clown face makeup or whatever I mean so I I was able to kind of put the little scared me to the side and bring the me that always wanted to be in the front from the Mm -hmm. beginning you know, because when I was sense. when I was a kid, you know, I wanted to be like a rock singer. Yeah. You know, who doesn't, right? right. <laughs> I don't know, maybe somebody don't. Some people don't, but I always wanted no, to I, do I that. I totally get it. You I know totally, what I mean? Yeah. It's like you want to do that, and you know, when you're and you start singing backup for people, you're kind of like, wow, they they sing really well, but I bet I could do that. I wonder if I could do that. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And so when I got the chance to do that, once I got over myself a little bit, yeah. I loved it. I, I, I ate it up. I, you know, it's like when I would ask the guy who was leading the band, you know, do I need to be doing anything while I'm singing to make it look more convincing? He looked at me, he's like, you just do what you do. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was, it actually ended up being very natural for me. Good. Um, yeah. And so I actually loved it. I really loved it. That's funny. So from then on, I was like, you know what? I don't really want to be in the background. Right. I'm happy to help other people and do that. Sure. But, and that corresponded with me starting to write seriously, right? right? Because singing lead needs to be there in order to be a songwriter, uh-huh. a singer-songwriter, right? Right, right, right. right. Um, and so it, it's all just kind of a, I see it sort of as an all a, a progression of me finding out my voice, you know, literally physically figuring out how to use my voice to be a lead mm-hmm. singer, but also, um, you know, figuring out what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Wow. This is this is really I, this is cool. And so so you were so you started writing songs and then um, so did did Greg Newland kind of help you kind of arrange them so because yeah, you really so, didn't have a songwriting that kind of chord progression yeah, format back. I didn't have a lot of that. And um, so when I when when Maple Dream folded and I had all these originals, I thought you know I really need some help getting these on guitar. That's what I thought I was asking. Yeah. You know, arrange these for a guitar. And it was so funny because there was one moment I was talking to my husband about asking Greg to help me. And I was like, you know, but then I'll just end up sounding like Greg Newland on the guitar. And then I thought, if I sounded like Greg Newland, I think I'd be okay with that. That wouldn't be a bad thing if you sounded like Greg Newland. <laughs> I was like, that that actually would not be a bad thing. I think I'd be okay with that. Right. So, um, a bad thing to aspire to. Right, no, it's not at all a bad thing. And he, he ended up <laughs> not only putting my songs on guitar and giving me in some cases arrangements that took me more than a year to work up to be able to play properly mm-hmm. because I really wasn't a guitar player at that right. time I mean I, I could hit probably five chords total and mm-hmm. make sure and the whole like <clears throat> not playing one string that's in the middle of the guitar thing you know mm. damping one str- none of that I yeah I wasn't even doing barring at that point right, right? So Greg it takes gave, a while to get to that point. It does, yeah. But he had a, I think he had a pretty good, um, a pretty, what's the word I'm looking for? 
he had an ambitious understanding of what I could do as a guitar player. Okay. So he gave me, he didn't, he didn't dumb down his arrangements. Good. But not only that, he also fixed some of my songs. Mm. He fixed Leave It Alone to the point that he's a co-writer on the right. song now. But it was um, a lot about fixing the cording, fixing, you know, even thematically. He was saying things like, you know, this song has too many, this song has like three songs in it. You need to split that this happens, out. Right. Right. And that's what happened when I first started writing that the songs had too much in them. Mm -hmm. There were, there were like three or four different themes. And yeah. he's like, you've got like four songs here, Martha, you need to pull this apart. And I'm like, mm, okay. Yeah. It's hard to do. Cause you spend, I, 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 I looked at my, my early, my early stuff. Right. I've been doing this forever. Well, kind of, but <laughs> there's songs I don't play anymore. I'm like, this is just too long. Yeah. No, I was writing like six and seven minute songs and, um, you know, people do that and then they do a good job with it. Right. right. There's that, that not to say that a six or seven minute song is inherently not right. Right. But my six or seven minute songs were six or seven minutes because I, I didn't know how to edit. Right. 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 You know what I mean? Someone told me, um, another songwriter pal, that he it was a compliment, but he said, he goes, you're a good writer, talking to me, because you're a good writer because for a living, you're a writer and an editor. You know how to cut. And when you first start writing songs, because you, you have all these brilliant lines, like, I gotta, I can't do, you know, and sometimes you just got to rip it out, you know. Yeah, well, no, they say, um, you know, in writing, because I, you know, I, I've got a, at least one half-finished novel sitting around, and, mm -hmm. you know, I write other things, too, but yeah. I remember in all of the writing stuff that I read when, about writing, right, it mm -hmm. says, if you get a line that you really think is so clever and you're completely attached to and it has to go in or else, that's absolute certainty that you have to take that out mm. and dump it if right. you get really too attached to a line then somehow it it's it's got too much in it yeah and sometimes though you pull those out and you work and they become a different song or part of a different song if it's a really it's like if it's a really like brilliant line that you just can't but maybe it doesn't belong with the rest of the stuff in that song i don't know there it, it always varies yeah. my wife's really good at it for watching um you know songwriters sometimes and she'll just turn to me and she'll go just, just like calmly go. This is too long. <laughs> or she well, give me the look. This is too long. Yeah. There's a there's a point where like, you know, you can just like some songs just, you know. You're done. You're done. You're done. Yeah. So it's funny on the new record I'm doing. I, I did this this song about karma the other night. I recorded it and even with the even with a solo and with four verses, it's two minutes. Oh my gosh. And That's... I'm like. Well, that's how much. And there was I had this song about multitasking that I actually threw out, and it went on for about four minutes. And I'm like, that's too long to make a, a cute little joke. It's just it's like dumped. I, I this is like the most hard choice. I pulled it off the record. So I've got yeah. a lot of songs that are super short. I got a couple that are long, but they're kind of in. It's where I'm making fun of the business speak, and I shoved a lot of. So that's kind of intentional, but. Mm. But you know, sometimes the song just goes on too long. Well, no, and I, I aim for about three minutes. That's good. You know. I, I mean, and then, in fact, I wrote a song very recently that's going to be played at the EP release show on November 12th. Um, so I have a full band set that's doing the four EP songs. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, four is kind of a short set. So I wrote another song. Good. And I sent it to Kenny and Kenny sketched it. So now the band knows what it's doing. And um, it's called Cheers for Tears. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it, when I first wrote it, it was five and a half minutes long, six minutes long. Mm -hmm. It had a pre, it had pre-chorus. It had this. It had that. And I just, I would literally play it and time it. And I'm like, nope, too long. And I would like, the pre-chorus just went away, you mm -hmm. know. And I just kept chopping it down. And then I, my process is that when I end up doing that, I end up with a really pithy bit that's integrated and authentic, mm -hmm. right? It's not muddy or confusing because yep. you know you have three minutes to make a point why make more than one right 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 you know the exception i mean dylan's the exception but if you have a if you have a really good story song that has a real strong narrative that's really going somewhere then you can kind of but i don't think i'm as i don't think i'm in as experienced a songwriter <laughs> as i need to be to be able to pull that yeah, off yet yeah. right you know and I don't know. I mean, I, I, but you can tell when you're playing songs out, right? Right. You can tell when you lose them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can tell whether they're with you or not. Like, for instance, um, Leave It Alone used to be called Scab. Mm -hmm. And I noticed when I would play it out, if I when I announced that the song was called Scab, I would immediately lose. 
<laughs> one of those words percent. that just doesn't pull one people in. One of those in. words that just does not pull people in. And I thought, you know, if nothing else, I need to rename this song because yeah. they tune out immediately because right. it's just gross, right. right? Off my new record, Abscess, and they all just right. Leave it, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? So it's not, it's even about the titles of the songs. You have yeah. to think all that stuff through. Yeah. I mean, the, the title of this EP was going to be, I was totally going to name it after Colored Pencils, mm-hmm. the second track. Yeah. And um, I couldn't resist calling it something good. <laughs> it's catchy. I like I like Colored Pencils, too. I think that's a, that's a great song. So Thank you. Either, either one of them would have been, would have been good. Yeah, yeah I, I like catchy, Luis, I, I, I like catchy titles. I like to figure, because... I see a lot. I mean, again, this is just me. I figure the first thing someone's going to see is a title. Make it interesting. Right. You know, make it interesting. I mean, yeah, you've got to give them some reason to click, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's there's one song on the new record that I did. Uh, it's an old song of mine that I kind of forgot. It's a song about Red Skelton, right? Mm. And um, I met him once before he passed away. It's a really cool story. He's like my childhood hero. And, and, and I pulled this song out a while. Oh. About a year or so ago, and started playing it again, and I just thought it's too long. Hmm. So I just I cut out the last verse, and you know, nobody died. You know, <laughs> you know, it's just like it just it said it better. And then I um was playing it on guitar, and I'm like, now this is a really simple little story. So now it's a solo ukulele song. Oh, nice. It's like it's all it needs. That's all it needs. And I just, yeah. but I cut it way down. And there's older songs of mine where I, I stopped playing out live because. I'd play them, and I would kind of get to a point where I just feel like this this has this is too long. Yeah. Well, we know when you start boring yourself. That's it. You need to start cutting, right? Yeah. But I don't I don't pretend to have songwriting figured out by a long shot. I I know there's a lot that I don't know, and I've got a. We're off to a really good start. Thank you. (laughs) Um, That's very nice. Um, But it's weird, you know, putting out your first EP. You know, it, it's funny because you said at the beginning, you know, oh, you're now this, you're this superstar. And it, the truth of the matter is, is that I'm really not any different than I was I know, I know. a year and a half ago right. when it was just me and my guitar and the dog howling. Right. You know, and it's like I, I, I and you, you know, I wanted to put an EP out, but I was really kind of frightened mm-hmm. to do it because I thought my songs were pretty good, but I know, you know. I've been there. I know. Do you want to put them out? Like, do you really want to hear what people think about them? Right. But you kind of do, you but you kind of do. don't, and it's really nerve wracking. It's oh, incredibly nerve wracking. I was reading. I'm gonna link your blogs on the on the podcast notes because I just <clears throat> my my favorite Venn diagram is on your blog. Yes, <laughs> I love that, and I'll link this where um it's, it's these intersecting circles and um narcissism on the absolute left absolute narcissism and then crippling self-doubt on the right and then art's like a little teeny intersection the in the sliver middle. that comes in because to do this even you know it's art and you want to share it but really you you know there's a little and i'm the first to admit this the fact that i'm spending time and money and energy going out and performing there's a little bit of like look at me what i'm doing this but you also have the stuff you want to tell it's a really yeah. weird it's a weird thing to actually write songs and take them out to perform to people. They like them, that's great, but it is kind of a weird thing. It's very weird. It's very, especially it's when... It's cool, but it's weird. It's very weird for me because, you know, I'm extremely introverted, actually. Mm-hmm. And so having, like I say in one of my blog posts, having my inside suddenly on the outside is, is really unnerving right. to me. But at the same time, I kind of wanted to know if they were any good. Yeah, you have to. And so... It's not have to, but you kind of have well, to. No, you do. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're writing a song and you're singing it and it demands a listener, right. you know? Um, I had a one of my many <clears throat> permutations has been um, teaching writing at De Anza College. Right, right. And um, I don't teach there anymore. I've got a different job. But um, mm. one of my first students there wrote in his journal something that I actually put on my wall above my desk. And it talked about how at first when he would write, just the fact that he was writing for himself was enough, mm, okay. right? Yeah. That it was a, it fed him and it made him happy and he could he loved this feeling of externalizing himself onto a page. But then he says something incredibly eloquent and I'm not going to get it exactly right, but he said something like, at some point the words started calling out to me and they were eager to be consumed by foreign eyes <laughs> and processed by foreign hearts. Wow. 
And I was like, that's what happens. Yeah. Right? It starts out as me just trying to get myself out of my head mm -hmm. or, you know, get what's inside of me out so that I have a little space to breathe. Mm -hmm. yeah. But then after a while, you, you want to share them. Yeah. You can't, you can't not. So the fact that this EP has come out, the fact that, you know, I have no idea how selective Women of Substance Radio is. Mm -hmm. um, but you got two or three songs. Already. I had three out of the four were, yeah. were taken by them. The other, the third one hasn't come out yet. Um, and then, like randomly, I got this this piece in the San Jose Mercury News. I I honestly have no idea why the reporter. It was a great story. It's a great story, right? And mm. you know, I, I'm getting some attention a little bit now. I don't really know. It's not translating into lots of money or anything, but <laughs> that kind of doesn't matter at this point. Music, money, <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. exactly, but um, yeah, it's a, it's just a very interesting process, but it's it's encouraging. Yeah. You know, it makes me think. You know, okay, so I've got all these other songs. So you know, I'm going to be doing this this five song band set, but I'm also doing a solo set. I saw that. It's a it's a really nice arrangement for a show. So the, thank you. So your producer is opening. Yeah, so um, Sabina Heusler Schick and Kenny Schick are Artemisia Black, mm -hmm. and they're going to be opening the show, probably do a 30 to 40 minute set mm -hmm. of their stuff, which is cool because they have been wanting to play out again. Okay. They haven't played out in quite a while, and they were one, I knew they were one, because I was up at their house you know, right. several times over the last several months, and I knew that they were they're thinking about it and wanting to play out again. and. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought, well, shoot, well, maybe I'll ask them if they'll open, right? right? I wonder if they'll say yes. And so I asked them, and I could tell it was the right moment. You yeah. know, when I asked the question, they're like, we're going to go on a walk and think about this. And I'm thinking, wow. oh, oh, I think I might get them. And as soon as they said yes, like I say in my blog, I knew I had a show. Mm -hmm. um, but I've got a whole bunch of other songs right, that right. I haven't recorded yet. And I've picked what I think are the ones that work the best for me right now because you know how a song kind of works for a while and then it doesn't work for mm -hmm. a while and yeah. then so i picked the ones that are working well i've got uh they, they kind of cycle around a little bit they too. cycle around a little bit and also you kind of get sick of them or mm -hmm. i don't know they just don't match where you're going or they're just not working like under like your hand like for me it's just like this is random but um, my <clears throat> the song that gets the most local airplay is highway 17 right, right of course and there there is a couple years i just stopped playing it <laughs> I just I kind of got tired of it. Yeah, I was like, eh, you know, and then and then I wrote some new verses for it to kind of update it a little bit, and you know, so yeah, the songs come and go. I would love to get to the point where I'm so sick of like where you are, where you can you know do I'm so many of, shows. Oh, okay, yeah. No, that you do so many shows that you can start to get sick of playing your songs out. I would love to get to that point. <laughs> that would be cool. Careful what you ask for. I know, seriously, but. I also remember there were a couple of times when I was, because I actually toured around a little bit with Bev and Greg. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I would sit with them while we were, you know, we would rehearse together and Greg would go into his little trance and figure out what harmonies he wanted me to sing and whatever. And um, and there were a couple of times he's like, oh, I don't want to play that song because I'm sick of it, right? Yeah. And I would say to him, that's fine. You can be sick of it. But every time you play that, like people are weeping in a good way. Right. You know, it means something to people when you play that song. So even though you might be sick of it, even though you might think this is me talking to me now, sure. right? Even though I might think that, you know, I'm sick of this song or it's not going well or I made a mistake there or, you know, my voice isn't what I hope it would be today or mm -hmm. whatever. If I like get out of my own head and look out, I can see that it's it's having an impact on the people right. who are listening. And that's really why you're there. Right. Right? So yeah. you know, how I feel about my songs is informs what I choose to play. And, yeah. But it, I don't think it should dictate it. No, it shouldn't be the sole thing. And plus, to go back about 10 minutes in the interview, um, you know, that validation you'll get from people that like a certain song, if there's a song you like that people that always gets a reaction, it's a good reason to play it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's one song I'm going to play. It's the in intersection there. of crippling self-doubt right. and absolute narcissism. There's the art right there. You know? yeah. yeah, the absolute narcissism thing is, is pretty funny. You know, I I actually wrote a song about And we know people writing. that are like a, like a one side more than the other. Well, yeah, you know? I know. I mean, and I think, I think it's safe to say that anyone who wants to perform has some, I mean, call it narcissism, I guess, going, but... I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But when crippling self-doubt, I've when got When someone nailed. tells me I have, a, I have a gift I want to share, 
That's really narcissism. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it is, but I would like to think it's a little more, I don't know, meaningful than that. But anyways. Well, the, 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 the other thing, too, is that, and this is a narcissist, but like, you know, I wrote a song about this thing. I think it's really cool. I think people would like it. That's okay. Right. That's, that's, you know, that's yeah. maybe the third circle. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. No, but I wrote a song about songwriting, about the crippling self-doubt. In mm -hmm. fact, you know how when you're practicing for a show, you also practice the blah blah between the songs sure. because you don't want to say something really stupid. You, you practice the banter, so you practice you, the you banter kind of, so you know. that it, you know, it. It's it's more like I kind of know what I want to say and what I don't want to say. Like I'll be practicing and I'll be like, oh no, I definitely shouldn't say that. Right. But I have one song that's about songwriting, and it is about that crippling self doubt thing. You know, mm. like why do I do this? Because songwriting is very unnerving. Mm -hmm. It's time-consuming as anything right it can be expensive uh -huh. <laughs> right if you want to record and it's really there's really not a lot of sense in it from a practical standpoint yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean think the about hell it. are we doing here right like why <laughs> am i doing this this is like i could be doing other things or i don't know and so could be cleaning um, the house and purging or something i could purge the house you could do all kinds of things like i don't know spend time with your kids you know your husband <laughs> you know why when you get a song done and it's good you're like Holy crap, I did this. I created this from nothing. That's yeah. why you do it. Well, yeah, that and um, most of my songs start from something that I dream. I was going to ask about, do you have a whole blog about... About dreaming these songs. Yeah. And in fact, last night I dreamt another song and I wow. have two snippets on my iPhone I've now. I've only got that once. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, in some ways it's kind of the only reason I keep writing. Wow. Yeah. Because I don't really know that um I don't know. I don't I don't know that I had I, when I was a kid I thought I had a dead ear. I always wanted to write, but I I you know, all I did was like write songs that were nothing but a bunch of arpeggios on the piano, you know. I mean, like <laughs> I had nothing, right? Right. But um when I started dreaming music, I feel like I have to write those down because that would be like dishonoring a gift mm -hmm. right if it's coming like there, there's the cliche about if i don't write this down it's going to go to somebody else but really you get these little nuggets of things you have to write them down yeah and if you yeah. you know and you know this too and this is anybody who's written knows this but if you if you kind of halfway wake up and you have like a lyric idea or something and you think oh i'll write it down when i wake up and it's, it's gone bad. no so my I, experience is that it's you've got a you got one shot right, right. and if you don't get up and write it down, then my fear is that if I don't get up and either record it or write it down, that it's going to stop. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right? Right. And it does go away for periods of time. Oh, yeah. I'll right? do, you know, I'll get a new song and I'll, I'll, I'll when, I, when I actually get it, you know, done and it's kind of in a pretty good, you know, final draft state, I'll look over at Cindy, my wife, and I'll say, hey, I can still write songs. She's like, yeah, you always say that when you finish a song because you never know. You never know when the next one's going to come along. I know. Um... I was going to say about the dreaming thing and the waking up. I, I like your comment in the blog about having the iPhone handy. And I have, you probably do this too. I have a notebook by the bed. I have uh -huh. one in the bathroom. <laughs> in the bathroom. <laughs> you know, just in case, you know, light, the light's better in there, you know. Yeah. No, um, I, I just, I just go straight. I actually have something next to my bed, you know, on the nightstand. But in, you know, in deference to the fact that there's someone else sleeping in the room, I usually leave the room to yeah. go and sing it into the, the phone. Right. Um, but I'll, I'm perfectly willing to get it. I've actually gotten out of the shower dripping wet and written things oh, yeah. down, you know, because I've written across, ran across the room with half a towel on or something. Right. They're like, I got to write this down right now. I'm going to lose it. Yeah, no. In fact, just this morning. And Cindy's going, what are you like, Shh, don't say. Don't, don't, don't even talk. Don't talk to me. Just give like, me a second. Right, Hold on. Right. All right. Exactly. Yeah. No, but like just, just this morning, I literally was getting up to come here and, and Bill goes, you were like a kangaroo last night. <laughs> I got half a song done. Yeah. Right. I was like, I, I think I came out of bed three times with lines. You never know. Right. You never know. You know, I wanted to go back to there was I was I wrote this down when we were talking, but about your student who talked about, you know, writing and then having it in front of people. Um, there's a great quote from the late Chuck McCabe that he told me this one mm. when after we lost Chuck was an amazing songwriter. I met Chuck. Yeah. God, he was just mentored everybody. Um, Always with a dirty joke, Rep the ready, just a great guy. And um, we and after he passed away, I was going through my email and I just we traded lots of emails. I mean, he gave me lots of advice and he said, um, "I write songs for me, 
but I always write them knowing that someone else is probably going to listen to them at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, so, and I've written things that I thought, ah, this is this is this is too like esoteric and me, and the people ended up liking them. So you never know. You never know. Well, I mean, I think the thing is, is that it's not worth doing to me unless it really is what is honestly what I've experienced mm -hmm. or what I'm thinking about. Right. But, you know, I'm a writing teacher. Yeah. And the point of, it's like, what is the point of expressing something if the person who hears it doesn't get it? Right. Right? right. So, you know, I don't think there's anything inconsistent with writing for myself, but making sure that it's something that someone else can process and get, mm -hmm. right? That's the, That to me is the art of writing, whether it's a song or an yeah. essay or whatever. The point is, is that you, you have to figure out where that space is to be true to what you are doing and who you are and what you need to say, but also it's, it's presented to the other person in a way that they can follow. Yeah. You know, like when I'm writing emails for work, for instance, you know, especially if it's a big summary of something that has to make sense from beginning to end. The way it comes out of my head is not the way, literally, the order that the person who needs to read it will be able to process it. So I get it all out, mm -hmm. and then I. This is why word processing is so fabulous, mm -hmm. right? Move stuff around. I just I just move things around. I'm like, no, they need to hear that first. That came out last, and and. Mm -hmm. So that that's the editing part. That's you know there's the you don't bury the lead. The generative right. <laughs> yeah. You know that's the, the, there's the generative part, and then there's the okay. In order for me to really authentically represent what's going on for me, I need to make these words and these tunes go in a certain way, so that yeah. they get it. I mean, mm -hmm. then there's nothing like I said. There's nothing inconsistent. You know that it's not less me because I've edited it. No, it's, and if, right? you, if you can edit it down and it's it's still it's even it's stronger. Less is always better. Yeah. You know, I'm going back to the bantering thing. I've I've found this too, and I've I've tried to do this. Um, that I, I noticed that years ago, I I'll listen to live recordings and kind of kind of cringe and go, okay, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> um, you know, the. The intro to a song should not take as long as the song. Oh gosh, no! You know, yeah. and sometimes you, when you, once you get comfortable performing, you start doing that. And I've seen people do this, and and I'll kind of go, okay, this is taking. I look at my watch. You know, um, if a song needs a long intro, maybe it's not quite there. You know, mm -hmm. If it's if if you've got a long intro that's really interesting and the crowd's listening, that's fine. Right. You know, like. The, the zombie song we did. I elaborated for like five minutes, but you wanted to hear the whole story. I did. I, I did. I asked for the whole story. You yeah. did. Um, if I play it live, I'll do like like about a thirty second version of that, depending uh -huh. on who's there. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's important with the banter. To I don't know. I want it. I I, I guess it's 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 partly how I want to come off too. Sure. Right. Because some days when I'm practicing the banter, I'm not in a good mood, mm -hmm. and I'm coming off. And it's very clear to me, and I'm like, you know what? I don't really want to say that because that's going to come off that way. And it's yeah. it's more, I don't know. I don't like I said. I don't think it's inconsistent to think about how you present yourself, and being true to who you are. Right. Um, because the truth of the matter is, is that I want people to like my music. Mm -hmm. I want people to find listening to me playing live an uplifting and pleasurable experience. Sure. I want them to feel like they've experienced something that they can take home and be nourished by. I mean, mm -hmm. I know this is sounding really no, kind of up there whether, or whatever, whether but... It's, whether they, they felt good or they laughed or yeah, Or even, you know... I mean, or go, yeah, or, or went, yeah, I can relate to that. Right, yeah. exactly. I mean, it, it. I want people to be moved or touched or some somehow affected by what I do. Mm -hmm. And if I'm spending my time thinking about how I come off, even in the, the talking in between, then... Um, that's consistent with that. Mm -hmm. It's the whole package. It's right. everything. It's but actually, the truth of the matter is most of the banter that I'm working on is just trying to figure out what I need to say, not so much to introduce the song, but to cover the fact that it takes me forever to tune. <laughs> <laughs> because Greg did me a great service and a great disservice by teaching me to, to play in drop D. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of songs in drop D. Nice. And I've also discovered that when I capo my I don't know whether my guitar is not great or whatever, but you know the tuning gets weird. Suddenly you're capo five, and you know the guitar is not in tune anymore. So I'm actually practicing talking and tuning at the same time, which I think is a skill. That Are you playing with like four capos at a time, like Greg does now too? <laughs> no, <laughs> he doesn't want to play with three. I think it's three, but you know. I, yeah, no, he's he no that I I don't understand the guitar well enough to be able to do remotely what he yeah. does. 
I, but the, one of the wonderful things about being a solo singer songwriter is I can play in whatever key I want to. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you know, when you're playing with other people and maybe those people aren't as experienced and you have to stick with the, the easy key, you know, yeah. and I'm just like, you know what? I feel like this song can be a half step higher. Boom. And then suddenly I'm in like F sharp major. That's the recording piece too. It's like, Oh yeah. Charts. Oh wait, they have to be accurate. Oh, Crap. I know. You know yeah, I'm, no, I had I, I had that experience because you're playing a lot. Like I have two songs I'm shipping out to people to like put the lead instruments on. So I had to actually play like strum to make sure that everything chord was exactly in. right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had that experience when I sent the, my lead sheets out to the people who are playing with me in the band. Right. And we had our first rehearsal last weekend, a week ago, and they're like, "Some of these chords are wrong, Marth." I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Those got changed." I hate Oops, that. I you know. know. <laughs> Which version do you have? Oh, that's not the current version. Right, you know, and then, of course, part of the problem, too, is that half the time I don't even know what I'm playing, right? Uh, I'm just, you know, Greg would bring in a guitar arrangement. I would videotape him playing it. Oh, okay. You know, he might give me the little polka dots to show where my fingers go. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when I learned it, I knew what the chords were. But I very quickly, I do everything from memory. Mm -hmm. I never look at charts or whatever. I can't perform that way, even when I was a classical. Yeah. You know, doing classical stuff, I don't don't ever perform from a chart or Mm -hmm. from reading. Unless you're in an orchestra, of course, and you're doing a 64-page score, right? But um, when I was on tour, I tried not to do that. And, uh, but... You know, I, I honestly forgot what the names of the chords are. I, I honestly don't know mm. most of the time what I'm doing. I'm just remembering shapes and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah. So I'm not really a guitar player, but... But you're playing guitar on your record. You're playing guitar next week. Right. It, you're a guitar player. So I'm a guitar player. Yeah. I just, you know, it's like... Don't discount it. <laughs> well, it's not that. It's just like when I, I compare myself to somebody like Greg who knows the guitar backwards and forwards and, yeah. you know, whatever. and. Sometimes he would sort of throw in these fancy little things that would take me two weeks to figure out what he did, mm-hmm. you know, and I would call him bad names and he would laugh and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. So we should hear something. What would you like to hear? Um, how about the title track? Okay. We can do that. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. We're going to do this without an intro. Okay. <laughs> no bantering. <laughs> no bantering. No six-minute intro. No six-minute right. intro. No. What's your the title track? Something good.
That is a great sign. Thank you. Nice and ready. Once again, Martha Groves Perry with Something Good, the title track from her new EP, Something Good. And again, you can hear Martha and her band and hear her solo and hear Artemisa Black this Saturday night, November 12th, at the Art Boutique 22. I should know the address by now. 22 Race Street in San Jose. Tickets are at brownpapertickets.com. You can also go to marthagrovesperry.com and buy the EP, buy tickets. Um... It's just, it's really, she's doing really cool stuff and you want to support this kind of thing. So buy the EP, go to the show, or do both like we're going to do. Um, so once again, that's Martha Goes Perry. I'm Michael Gaither. Thank you for listening. Whether you heard this on um, my site, michaelgaither.com, or you found it on Twitter or Facebook, or you heard it streaming on KC Cafe Radio or Grateful Dread Radio Nashville. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Coming up next on Songs and Stories, probably near the end of the month, I'm going to be talking with Jonathan Foster. I was, I was up in Reading earlier last, early last month, doing a show with Jonathan and my friend Jim Dyer. And Jonathan runs a label called Miracle Miracle Mile Records. They just signed me up. They're a Reading-based label with a bunch of little local independent artists, and they they asked me to tag along. They have a new record coming out that's all kids' record, all kids' songs, just in time for the holidays. So I talked to Jonathan about that, about his own music and about the plans for Miracle Mile Records. And we're going to scheme some really cool ideas well, I hope. So that'll be up um, in a little bit. And you can find out um, more about this at my site, michaelgeither.com. You can subscribe in iTunes or the Stitcher app or keep listening on Casey Cafe Radio or Grateful Dread Radio Nashville. Thank you again to Martha Grosperis for making the drive down and talking shop for, I think it was about an hour. And no, I didn't cut anything. I thought it was all pretty interesting. So I hope you did too. Thank you again for listening. I'm Michael Gaither. We'll talk next time on Songs and Stories. Take care.